Hi everyone! My name is Astuti Marto Sudirjo and welcome to Uplift My Life Today, the podcast. It's absolutely wonderful to have you back again here today. Welcome. So in the last episode, I have brought forward the topic of vulnerability. One that is hard to pronounce and to do yet. So very worth it to implement in our lives to experience more love, joy, and happiness. Now, this time I'm bringing forward shame. Even just saying the word makes me feel a bit giddy. (laughs) It is not an easy thing to speak about. It is something that I have observed to be haunting everyone living on this planet. This is so difficult to bring up, yet it is so pervasive in our lives. There is a quote uh, from Brené Brown that I recently read, and it says, Shame corrodes the very part of us that believes we are capable of change. When I read this, I just thought to myself, my goodness, how true is this? As a professional life coach and a subconscious mind reprogrammer, I have witnessed how shame stops my clients from transforming. They're stuck. And I have seen that the only way to unstuck themselves is to face shame heads on. So today, to have this raw yet informative conversation, I am joined by Maria Elena Martinez, all the way from Monterrey, Mexico. I call her Nena, so I'm going to refer to her as Nena in this episode. Nena is a certified Daring Way facilitator and case consultant. So for those of you who want to know what Daring Way is, it is an empirically based training and certification program based on the research of Dr. Brené Brown. The work really focuses on courage building, shame resilience, and uncovering the power of vulnerability. Being trained by Dr. Brené Brown, Nena is the first facilitator in Latin America who works together with parents, therapists, psychologists, students, and school staff covering the topic of socio-emotional issues of individuals. Therefore, she has immersed herself for many years in the topic of shame. Like myself, Nena is very keen to demystify what shame is, to explain to us what it is, what breeds shame, what will happen when we are not transmuting shame, and also some tips on how to transmute shame. Welcome, Nena. Thank you, Astuti. So nice to have you. Likewise, welcome back to our second episode together. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm so happy to be here as well. Thank you. (laughs) Would you agree that talking about shame as a topic is uh, quite sticky and tricky? Yes, we don't want to talk about it, right? Exactly. <laughs> As you said, we start feeling something just yes. the world. <laughs> I, I, I need to tell everybody, uh, the listeners here, I meditate 
before I, I open this discussion because it's so important, yet there's some discomfort, you know, in saying these words. And I'm very thankful that uh, Dr. Brené Brown has actually done a lot of research over this to, to help us understand what it is so that we yeah. oftentimes when we don't understand something, we get scared. So I'm hoping that by the end of this episode, many people will feel a bit more comfortable with this word. Where shall we start, Nena? Well, how about if we uh, define shame so we can start talking about it? (laughs) Yes, let's do that. Let's do that. That would be great. Uh, Well, I would like to share Brene's um, quote and Brene's definition around shame. And in her research, what she found out was that it's um, shame is the intensely uh, painful feeling or experience of believing that that we are flawed and therefore we are unworthy of love and belonging. Okay. And I would love to, to share about it. Shame is focused on the self. Like, I am bad. You know, it's, mm. it's on who we are. That's why it's so hard for us to talk about and to, and to really work with it, right? And to really go deep in that yes. topic. Because we believe that thought. We believe we are unworthy of mm. love and belonging. Mm. So, yeah. When you say flawed, is it the same as there's something wrong with us? Yes. Okay. Like there's, okay. Yeah. There's something missing. There's something wrong. Um, yeah. Okay. And we have, to, we have to deal with that, right? And to go through life believing those things. Mm-hmm. And the triggers for us to feel shame, this could be anything, right? Like this Ooh, could be yes. anything. This is like a daily occurrence in our lives, would you say? Yes. And, and shame plays like two roles. One is that I'm not good enough and we can say I'm not blank enough. We can feel that out, right? Like I'm not perfect enough. I'm not extraordinary enough. I'm not prepared enough. I'm not thin enough, fat, you know, whatever we, we, um, we, we idolized and we fill in the blanks. For women and men, we have lots of things going on on how we need to be, do, act in order for us to be enough. And then on the other side, we have like the, the, like the message of who do you think you are, right? Mm. Like once you believe you're enough, now like who do you think you are? So it's like a, a, a battle between these two sides, right? And that's so interesting because at the same time, since we believe we are not worthy of love and belonging or, or we're imperfect and there's something wrong with us. So we live life believing that there's something that we have to become that there's mm. something that we have to do and that there's something that we have to obtain, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and everything has to, to be fulfilled outside of us. Mm-hmm. So we go through life um, living that way, right? Like, oh, I have to be thinner enough so I will be like a Victoria's Secret model or I have to be um, a CEO so I can be uh, re- respected by others, right? I have to be a perfect mom. I have to be with this extraordinary life, you know? And there are so many things that we feel in the blanks yeah. that we believe, right? And, and, and we value in life. And sometimes it's not that something that we want, right? Yeah, yeah. Let me just get into my own experience because I have a question about it. When I experienced burnout, I was very shocked that it could happen to me. And I was doing my best to understand what drove me to this behavior of and not taking care enough and giving too much. 
And one of the things that was one of the sources is my grandfather, one of the two grandfathers I had, he values education. He came out from the war. He believed that the only way to make it in life is when you are educated, which he has a, he has a merit on that. And he come also from a culture where you don't give compliments, okay? For one whatever reason, you just never hear good job at all. So when I came to see him, he always asked, what rank do you have at school? How well do you do? This is always for the whole life I knew him. This lack of feedback or good or great job Whenever he asked me this question, because there's no something coming back from him, I just feel still whatever I've done or told him, just not good enough. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, fast forward decades, I become this very go-getters, high achievers. Okay. So I work a lot. I learn quick and I, I'm very organized. I was very organized. I still am. I was uh, organized to get things done. And it was such a commitment towards achieving is I would say it was addiction to achieve. I just have to achieve somehow. And now with this definition, actually shame get me to perform <laughs> a lot. Mm-hmm. Achieve a lot and be useful, right? Is it all that bad? Mm. I think I think we, we, we could not judge the, the situation, right? Mm. Because... Your parents and your grandparents did the best they could, right? Yes, they, correct. They believed also this, this um, well, this belief. Yes. <laughs> they believed it, right? And, and they, that's what they valued. Perhaps their parents valued the same thing and they passed it on and they uh, valued the same thing, right? Like education. And maybe in that moment, education was something that they needed for surviving, Mm-hmm. to survive, right? Or we never know. But then those are very important things because what we value, okay, what we value in life, it's how we're going to see and judge other people. We yeah. talked about it the last episode about being so clear on why we do things, you know, yes. vulnerability. And let's, for example, in my life, my mom loves, um, she's so organized, as you said, and she has, she loves everything to be in order. And it was something that she valued. And whenever we did that, we got praise for that, okay? Mm-hmm. We were like, wow, you're doing a great job. So I, I understood nowadays that that was something that she valued, but it doesn't mean that if I don't have my house clean or super organized, doesn't mean that I'm not worthy, you know, or, or that I'm not good enough as a daughter or yeah. as a person. But it happens the same thing with my kids now. Yeah. I can see my um, cleanliness and my organization value like uh, I'm passing it to them, right? Like you have to put your things away and maybe my reactions to that are not proportional to a normal, you know, like let's put our things away. It's more like you have to put them away so you can be good enough. Like that's the message that we are. So your question was, is it always like good or bad? Mm -hmm. I think there's always um, the learning piece, right? And it helps us survive and it helps us um, achieve things. But now that we know and we have... Um, more consciousness and information, we can be aware of, is this what I really want? Is this what I really need? And we thank every experience that we've gone through, right? Because now you're organized and it helps you, I don't know, having your podcast ready and doing this, but perhaps the relationship or the meaning Mm. or the interpretation we have around it might not work anymore. Like if one day you're not organized, 
it doesn't mean anything, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And another thing that I would love to add is regarding shame, we believe that we are or we are not, for example, organized. That if I am organized, then I am worthy, you know? Mm. So we relate it to ourselves, not yeah. to what we do. Right. And the challenge here is to really separate those things. Like, okay, you put your things away or you organize your things, but your value, it's not on the table. You know, like that's yeah. nothing to yeah. talk about or to, I don't know, like to put it on, like, is it worthy or not? You are worthy, period. Yeah. Yeah. What you do is something different. Yeah, yeah. It's just quite amazing how this, these two things, you know, the difference between what you do and who you are. Mm-hmm. Because you, I, I grew up mixing these two. So every, so you know, when I was uh, working in a corporate, sometimes people say, "Don't take it personally," and I couldn't understand how people can not take it personally because I was mixing the two between who I am and how well I do things. Mm-hmm. And one is actions, and one is who I am. And for for a long, long time, this was somehow connected and it becomes ident- it becomes my identity you know how well i do things and how much i achieve this become my this becomes astuti which is not anymore these days but it was for a long long time and i didn't even see the separations so this this uh, this explains a lot because i was always a bit hurt mm-hmm. when my grandpa didn't say anything because all i wanted was him to say good job before telling me how do you going how are you going to maintain this how are you going to be better that i don't have a problem with or i didn't have a problem with but he never said it so i felt like it was not i i'm not enough for him which i i i bet you if i ask him today he's passed already many years ago he would say of course i love you <laughs> i okay. didn't know it then <laughs> okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> I knew that I was running my life from fear, okay? As I was coming back from burnout. And then the second layer came up, but who am I then, okay? Mm-hmm. This is the fear for the go-getter. If I let go the shame or if mm-hmm. I let go this fear, can I still be performing as much? Mm-hmm. Can I still be as you know, motivated, inspired, <laughs> energized? Yeah. And I love that you're mentioning that. Um, I will go back a little bit to what you were mentioning about who we are and what we do. And you just explained perfectly the difference between shame and guilt. And in the research, that's the difference because when we parent even, right, or when we live in our lives, our self-talk most of the times is not that, oh, I made a mistake or, you know, like I did something bad. We say, I am a bad mom. I am Mm -hmm. a bad woman. I I am a bad partner. I am a bad a leader, CEO, whatever it is, we, we cannot separate those things. Mm. I mean, we can, but sometimes we don't, right? Like don't, our yeah. internal um, dialogue is based on who we are. Mm-hmm. And we cannot change when we define ourselves as being bad. Mm-hmm. And the difference that, that uh, Brene and the research have found is that when we talk to ourselves based on guilt, like I did something bad, we are able to change our behaviors and our things, right? Because it has nothing to do with who we are. But if we talk to ourselves based on who we are, there's nothing to change, right? Even we might like justify ourselves, like 
sorry, that's the way I am. You know, mm. like you have to deal with me. And that's not true. Mm. And the other thing they found out that is amazing. They started a uh, fifth graders, their self uh, dialogue, right? Their inner talk. And they realized that the ones that talk with, with the, the, the ones that had their inner dialogue based on shame, it was correlated to dropping out of school, addiction, um, like all the, the, the behaviors, suicide, smoking, alcohol, you know, like all of those Destructive things. Destructive behaviors. Yes. And uh-huh, that's right. And, um, and when they talked, their self-talk was based on guilt. Mm. There was no correlation to those things. You see? Mm. Why? Because I know that I am worthy and my behavior could change. But mm. when I talk to myself on a based, um, shame-based dialogue, then I feel there's something wrong. So I'm in fear and I know that I have to do something. So there's mm. anxiety, depression, trauma, you know, all of those things that come when I don't feel I'm worthy. Yes, yes, So it was I amazing see. just to realize, even as we parent, as I said, we have the intention of to parent in a guilt based, you know, like, okay, uh, put your things in order. You made a bad decision. Well, not bad, but you know, like think about it next time or, but we, we parent some of the times based on shame. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're not good enough or you're great. As you said, like, or you can do better. And, and we don't know what's going on because we haven't noticed that in our own life. Mm. So that's a good thing that we're talking about it. We, we need to first realize how's our inner talk. How yeah. do we talk to ourselves? Like, yeah. oh, shoot, so yeah. stupid. Or like, okay, I did something that I wasn't supposed to do. Now let's try again, you know, yeah. make amends or whatever. Be responsible for what we've done. But to know that we are worthy no matter what. Yeah, yeah, very important to make the distinction. And I like that you clarify that this is also, you know, there's a lot of like negative words of emotion. Sometimes <laughs> this is why it's being mystical and like like this taboo label because we actually don't know exactly what the definition of all these labels that we have around us. All we know is the feeling in our body when we, ha- we are experiencing these emotions, right? So yeah. I'm really happy that we clarify what is guilt is related to and what shame related to and, yeah. and how to deal with the two of them because it's completely different. Totally. Emotions. And as you said right now, Astuti, like what happened if we let go of that belief that I am worthy depending on how much I uh, achieve, Achieve. how much, Mm. you know, like my, uh, my titles or, you know, like if we could separate that there, the mind, I believe it's always like questioning or it's uh, uncertain. Like, will I be worthy? Will I be able to do all Mm. of these things without having that shield? And I, I believe, but it's uh, so personal, that the answer is we will always be able to because we will be driven by love. Mm-hmm. You know, we will be driven by who we are. And, and if we need to be, let's say, productive or like achieve things, our love will get us there. We are mm-hmm. so convinced of who we are that we will see that as a, as a way of uh, performing or uh, realizing our, our dreams or whatever we want to do, right? So the, the shield protects us in the armor to show really who we are and to mm. prevent us from vulnerability as well, to really feel everything, right? Yeah. Shame is fear-based. It's like if you measure them, it, it's the lowest. The lowest, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm like, of the course. The only I'm way is going up. <laughs> you cannot go lower than shame. <laughs> we need to, we, you know what? We can see shame as a, 
like as a bad thing, but I, I've seen in my life that it's also a reminder. I like, right. I like to mm. shame as a reminder of, okay, thank you for reminding me, you know, that I'm worthy. Mm-hmm. Whenever I feel, as you said, in my body, oh, what's going on? I'm feeling whatever I feel yeah. physiologically. I'm in shame. Okay. Mm. Thank you for reminding me that I can tell myself I'm safe and I'm yeah. worthy, you know, yeah. or maybe reach out or have the shame resilience process uh, mm-hmm. throughout this. Can you share a little bit about this shame resilience process? If we are aware that what's going on in our body, right? Like yeah. really recognizing shame. Oh, I feel my stomach just tight. I feel my heart beating. We all have different responses, but that's so important because sometimes we're not aware of it, but mm-hmm. we feel our body. So when we start, our body's telling us, hey, get curious about what's going on. Mm-hmm. So per- And shame, it's related to what, how we want to be perceived and how mm-hmm. we don't want to be perceived, right? So if I want to be perceived as someone that's super... Uh, I don't know, like that knows at all that, you know, one time I'm going to share a story. Um, I was at school. I was a counselor, first day of school. How do I want to be perceived? Okay. I want to be perceived as the best counselor, but not just a good counselor. Like I want to be perceived. Yes. That I know how to deal with every single situation, you know, like I am not here. I'm an expert that I don't believe in expert, but I want to be perceived that way. So we had a, um, a situation with one of the students. I was trying to to put him in the car and one of the teachers helped me. There was no, it was dismissal. There was no more kids, just the the whole uh, school staff there watching me putting in the kid in the car. And the kid, he was um, like moving his arms and his legs and he punched me in the face <gasps> while he was moving, right? <sighs> I don't know if it was intentional or not and it doesn't matter. But, the yeah. thing is, my my ideal identity, you know, what I wanted to to show everyone just crashed. It yeah. was like a punch in the face, literally. <laughs> literally. And it was a punch in my, in my ego. I cannot live up to this ideal, right? Mm. Because I'm mm. going to be in shame. Of course I was in shame. So I had to identify that. That's number one. Like really recognizing I'm in shame, you know? Yeah. I'm feeling like this. Why? Because I wanted to be perceived this way. And then the, the number two is, okay, the critical awareness piece, right? Like I had to zoom out and understand what's going on. Really, like what am I feeling? What's going on? And then I have to reach out. I went with a principal, my, my boss. I started crying, right? Like this happened. I feel like so ashamed. Like I wanted to have everything under control. So I reach out and share my story. And then I speak shame. So shame, whenever we speak shame, shame hates words around it. So that's mm. like the amazing thing. Shame wants, as you said before, the secret silence and the judgment. You know, yes. like shame doesn't want anybody to know about it. Mm. So we speak. So number one, we recognize shame and understand yeah. what triggered it. Yeah. For me, it was an ideal identity. Yeah. Number two, we practice critical awareness what's going on, like understand how shame works, you know, and then reach out. I experience shame, but I can always share it with someone I trust. And number four, we speak shame. Mm. And as I said, we talk about what are we feeling? We, we practice vulnerability there, right? Like yes. my emotions. And I ask for what I need. Yeah. And, he, and in this piece, that number four, that it's speaking shame, we need to know, as we said in the previous podcast, that we are worthy. You know, yeah. if we believe shame, 
then I don't believe I'm worthy. So how can I ask for something that I need if I don't believe I'm worthy of it? Got it. Yeah. So we have to just be aware that it's a thought, it's a belief, and that I can change that, right? I can stop believing that and believing that I am worthy, even though I made a complete scene, you know, <laughs> at dismissal. And it's okay. It's just part of my experience and I'm still worthy. So yeah. I ask for what I need in yeah. that moment. I love that what you just said about shame doesn't like words. And I would like to read this line from Brené to everybody. So Brené Brown was saying, shame needs three things to grow exponentially in our lives. Secrecy, silence, and judgment. And this is exactly what you just said now. You are also saying these four steps to, to come out of it. So Nena, are you of the opinion and the belief that everyone can come out from shame feeling empowered or shameful experience feeling empowered? Mm. I think we, we, it's a very good question as to the, we, um, when we have the courage to share our experience with someone we trust, we recognize that, that it's those things that we don't want to share are the things that connect us with, a, with, a, with everyone. We were working uh, with a group and we were like, what were our unideal un- identities, those unwanted identities that we have? And those things that we don't want people to see mm-hmm. are actually the, the things that connect us, right? When, when we share shame with someone, with trust, and the other person receives what we're sharing with empathy, it dissolves shame. Like mm-hmm. em- shame cannot exist when empathy is there, present. So of course we can feel empowered because we remember who we are. Mm. That's it. We just understand that what we believe was something that wasn't true for us, right? Because it didn't bring us any peace, it, any freedom. So once we realize that and we share with someone because that. We, we are hardwired for connection, right? We want to connect. So when we share, we understand that who we are. We remember that piece. So mm-hmm. of course we feel empowered because we, we come back to our center, right? We're aligned. Yeah, that's to when, yeah, that's when we feel empowered. It's exactly. I like this clarity that when you said we feel empowered when we are coming back to the, the center, the alignment with who we are, mm-hmm. as we are worthy, belong here. You also said empathy. You said the word empathy. And I know that a lot of people get mixed up between empathy and sympathy. Mm-hmm. And the one that is dissolving the power or the grip of shame is empathy, not sympathy, right? Right. So what is the difference, Nana? Could you help us in, an, you know, in a very clear way so we don't forget about it? Yes. Um, well, first we need to understand that empathy is not experiencing the same situation as the other people, right? Empathy is connecting with the emotion. So whenever someone shares something, for example, I don't know if uh, they lost a child and I haven't lost a child, you will say like, how can I connect with that? Of course, you know, grief, you know, pain, you know. So those emotions, I connect with that. And empathy has to do with feeling with the other person, Mm -hmm. with the other one. And sympathy has to do with feeling for it's like i'm in a safe space thank god that didn't happen to me you know poor you 
I, I get it, mm. but for you, I'm, thank God that didn't happen to me. There are a lot of ways sympathy drives this connection, right? Mm. Like, I, I don't feel connected to you. And empathy fuels connection. It's like, I understand that even I, we don't experience the same thing, we experience the same emotions. Yeah. Even when we are sharing, we are healing at the same time, right? That's yeah. the power of sharing. Because yeah. I have to connect with something that it's sometimes hard for me to do. And that connection, again, we receive the message for the emotions. We move the energy that has been stuck and we both heal. Mm-hmm. Pema has this, Pema Children has this amazing quote that says, well, she talks about compassion and, and it's related to this. And she says that compassion is not a relationship between the healer and the wounded. She said, it is a relationship between equals. Mm. And I totally get it because mm. when someone shares something with me, I feel I'm, I remember who am I and I can see the other person. I can really see them for mm-hmm. who they are every time somebody shares something with me or I share something with them. Yeah. So that's the difference. Sympathy is like I'm safe, you know, like I feel disconnected with you. I might help you, but I don't connect with your emotion. I don't connect with you and empathy connects. So mm. sympathy really um, like increases shame, right? Mm. And you, you feel like, why did I share this? Mm, yes. So empathy is feeling with? With. And sympathy, sympathy feeling, feeling for. for. So there's an element of judgment. Because when you yeah. are feeling for, I feel for you is basically, oh my God, I'm so sorry for you in a way. You know what, Astuti, sometimes the intention behind it, it's genuine you know yeah. like it's, it's like a good intention but sometimes words so that's the, the powerful mm. the power thing about words we have to be here in Monterey we use a lot like oh pobrecita that means like oh poor thing you know yes. your heart and all of these things oh let me pray for you and the intention behind it perhaps it's it's an, a good intention but we have to be clear that that doesn't serve anyone yeah like in we have to connect with that and to know that we are all connected and that we have gone through all those emotions. Perhaps we don't connect right now, yeah. but we, they're in our body, right? They're in our, our, in our system. So when we connect to those things, it's magic. It's yeah. magic when we share it. I have two questions related to this. Shame needs three things to grow. Could you help me to understand the difference between secrets and silence? And the second question related to that is, if a person chooses me to share their shame, how can I show up in the best possible way for that person? Okay. Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Uh, The first thing, the difference between secrecy and silence. I think sometimes we, we keep quiet. Because we are not worth, we feel we are not worthy of speaking up, of of uh, honoring what we need. So we mm-hmm. rather keep a fake peace with relationships, with people. You know, like don't disturb people and don't, and don't cause a problem. Like so, we keep silence. We know that that thing that happened to us or that we did or whatever it was has a judgment, right? It like people judge it or society judge it as something bad. So yeah. we rather not say because then we relate to that. that. That thing that I did or that happened to me, then I will be bad. So we don't say it. And the secrecy part is the shame also. Shame is in the three of them, right? The secrecy is, I know that if I share this, 
then you perhaps you won't love me or perhaps mm-hmm. you will be disappointed of me. So I'd rather keep it as a secret because I believe this is who I am, you know? Mm. And the judgment is the same. We judge that the situation with who we are. We don't separate it. We see yeah. like, this is who I am. And this happened to me, but this is who I am unworthy, you know? Yeah. So the three of them are like, I don't know, like brothers and sisters, you know? Yes. That they, they feed each other. Shame feeds the three of them. Mm-hmm. We keep silence because we don't want people to know, but we keep it as a secret because there's that judgment part of if people know about this, oh my God, right? Like then you will not be worthy. And the story we tell ourselves and that belief of not being worthy or that there's something wrong with us, we fear that. And mm-hmm. if somebody, we share something with someone and they don't appreciate that or they, they react, um, respond with a, like a shamey response, you know? Yeah, yeah. We will believe that. Yeah. That that thought that knows that we don't want to believe if somebody uh, like approves it or say like, oh my God, like I can't imagine you did this or, you know, like, oh, then we believe uh, unworthy, you know, yeah. Yeah. and that's our fear. Like yeah. our greatest fear. I, we don't want to believe that. I just want to come back to a secret. Now we are on this topic. A friend of mine asked me once, and this got me quiet for a bit before I answered this question. And she asked me, have you had a secret before? And I said, yes. How does holding a secret impact you? And I never thought about it. I did reveal this in the end uh, because it was with my parents. I didn't want to tell my mom certain things. And then I did tell her. But it took me a while before I, I told her. And I said to her, it disconnected me from my mom. It's almost like this, this wall behind it, yeah. between us. And, and I think if you look at the statement saying that secret silence and judgment exponentially grow shame, I think shame is also about disconnection, isn't it? Yeah. Shame is the fear of disconnection. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and what you're saying, Astuti, I think it's so powerful. Sometimes we don't want to uh, share things, right? We believe that if we share things, um, we might disappoint people or we might cause them pain. Yes. But it might also free them, right? And as you <laughs> said, yeah. There, yeah. there's something, um, I don't know if it's energetically, that that we can't hide, right? Mm. And that once we share that, we can grow through pain and understand that we are who we are, that we are more than our experience here in this planet, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. but it takes a lot of uh, courage and vulnerability to it, do that. Yes, so. it absolutely, it absolutely did. It took me a while, and uh, there was a lot of stories in my head. Says, no, no, she's going to have a heart attack, or she's just going to spike up her blood sugar level because she has diabetes. And what if she's really ill because you're saying something? I mean, it wasn't that bad. At the end, she was like, okay. And and I think her question to me was, why didn't you tell me before? And yes. I'm like because I wasn't ready to tell you. And, uh, and I think this is the question then for me that I, when I look back into this experience, it was <laughs> because I, I didn't have any, because it was something that I wasn't very proud about. And, 
And I was not also one of those people who like to be vulnerable, right? So there are things that I share with very, very few people there, things that I don't share or I didn't share. So is there any kind of a consideration, recommendation that you would say to people, you know, if you have a secret and you want to free yourself <laughs> from this, what are the things they should consider before doing something or choosing people for it? Um, I would recommend for them to be clear on the why. Again, we talked about a lot in the last um, episode. In the why we share, right? Yes. Like, why do I want to share with this person? Why do I want to do this? Because no matter the response, I mean, it does matter, right? But we're going to be clear on why we do things. Mm. And it has to be someone that you feel safe or that you trust, even though you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Right? But just that, that piece of vulnerability, that courageous act of sharing something so important for you, of your story, mm-hmm. with someone else, you have to be so proud of your and, and, and honor yourself that you're going to do that. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, like letting the universe take care of it, you know, like just dr- letting control of those things because you did your best, right? You analyze who, with whom I'm going to share. Why am I sharing this? I had an experience with, uh, with several friends, right? That they share um, important pieces with me. Mm-hmm. And, and re- related to your question, like what can we do with somebody share something mm-hmm. with us? We can create the space by knowing how hard it is for someone to share and the courage that it takes for someone to share that piece. And all that we need to do, because we believe that we need to fix something, right? Like somebody says something and let me tell her something that so she feels right. Or let me tell my partner this, like we don't have to actually do anything just to be present mm-hmm. with our whole heart and open our heart. Because our mind will go like, you know, like judgment, just let the mind do his, its job and just connect to your heart, open your heart and really be grateful for that experience. I always say it's like an honor that that pe- person chose you to mm-hmm. share that, that thing. And in my case, when I have that experience that someone chose me, I feel that they gave me the opportunity of sharing my secrets with them or with somebody else and mm. that connection as to the is magical like yeah. when I have those experience I could say like if I die right now I'll be so blessed and so happy really yeah. like we can't imagine how free it feels when we have that connection I I try to tell the, the people like if you don't have someone to share with I'm willing to listen to you like mm. we should all remember that no matter what we've been gone through or what have we done? There's nothing, nothing in our experience that can take our worthiness away. Because just by being alive or here, we have to remember that. And it will free us all, like ourselves from judgment and, you know, and we could see the other one, the other people in front of us. Yeah. As we are having a little break from the discussion, I'd like to emphasize again to you that shame is rooted in the sets of beliefs about who we are as a person. Obviously, they are limiting in nature. So when you're ready 
to replace all these limiting beliefs with uplifting ones to allow yourself to live and create from a space of love, of groundedness, and of energy. Reach out to me via www.upliftmylife.today. And for now, enjoy the rest of this discussion. In my view, when you open your heart, you're going to feel, <laughs> but then don't go into judgment. <laughs> How can we stop ourselves from getting into the judgments? I love compassion. Compassion for me is uh, the best ingredient in, in any situation because even with our thoughts, yeah. our judgment, our mind, our ego, whatever it is, right? I always see that the benefit of having compassion to those scary parts of us that we want to orphan or with our thoughts, you know, like, it's okay. We're mm-hmm. safe. We're, we're good enough. We're, we're here. Like, just the judgment. And then it's like, thank you for this. Also, mm-hmm. gratitude. Gratitude, I think it comes when we realize that, that, that we had to go through that experience. It's not mm-hmm. easy, you know, when, we've gone, when you've gone through painful situations to be grateful for that. Mm-hmm. But at least to, to really have compassion mm-hmm. and to see it as something that we needed mm-hmm. for our whatever soul evolution, you know. And that, of course, it hurts. So we honor the, the pain. We honor mm-hmm. and we say, it's welcome. I'm here. Let, let's feel it, you know, like... We don't orphan anything. We mm. we acknowledge and we honor the whole thing. Any things that you're Any, feeling, basically. Anything. All yeah, of them. All of them, right? <laughs> because if, if we orphan parts of it, then we will orphan. The, it's like vulnerability. We, if we don't feel the pain and the shame, we don't feel the joy and the mm. freedom and the gratitude. So compassion is like there's room for everyone and for, and for everything here. Room for it to be whatever it has to be and to stay, you know, that timing has to stay. Do you think, Nena, different culture would have impacted people differently in terms of shame and how they deal with shame? I think there are some differences, but what I've seen is more that it's a universal thing. Even the experiences are sometimes mm-hmm. different. We all tend to believe that we are not worthy, that like shame is in, in all of us, and the way we um, handle those things is through secrecy, uh, silence, and judgment. So yes. I also believe in the power of empathy in all the cultures, and that sometimes is different. Like, I don't feel, I don't know, thin enough, and in another culture, culture will be, I don't, feel I don't know maybe voluptuous enough, enough. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time it has to be with I mean based on shame right so mm. there's this universal part and, and and I've seen it because I work like in the U.S. and then yeah. with someone from Canada and from Arabia like and you could see that universal piece that it's also amazing right like we are so connected yeah with those beliefs mm. I can speak culturally, but now that you are saying this, actually more universal. For example, basically in some cultures, it is quite normal to express emotions, mm-hmm. positive emotion and less than positive emotions. So in some cultures, stiff lip, don't say anything when it comes to emotion, just swallow. Okay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that also goes the same with sharing shame. 
mm-hmm. right? And now that you you are actually working with people from many different cultures, do they have common fear of sharing shame? Yes. Well, in my experience, I, I believe that there will be other uh, information out there. But in my experience, I've seen that we don't like to share our things or we've been taught, even in our family, not to share things, to armor up and to go through life like that, because we don't want to show that unwanted identities. Like in our family, if something happened to us, don't say because we are a good family, everything's okay. You know, we have to be this perfect family. Or if somebody uh, realizes that this, this is going on, or we have this beliefs, like for example, religion, right? Mm. Anything that goes against those beliefs, we don't share and we don't talk about them and we judge them. Mm. And so there's a lot of things that go through even cultural, you know, like we don't share because of the family, like agreements, even Mm -hmm. if they're unconditional, I mean, unconscious, right? We have these agreements with our family that's been going down through generation to the next generation that sometimes we rather stay um, uh, obedient, you know, and stay Mm -hmm. with the family that really honoring and saying, this will stop here and I have to share this. Mm-hmm. I like, cannot to share it publicly, right? You have, again, the intention. Yes. But perhaps I have to say, this won't happen anymore. Or I have to share this with my parents so they'll be aware that this is okay and this is not okay. Mm-hmm. So we break with those unconscious agreements. And those things I have seen that are cultural, right? Like, like that loyalty, you yes. know, conditioned loyalty then really freeing the, yeah. the, those beliefs for so the, the next generations. So the cost of unconscious loyalty, or even when you know. Yeah, yeah. This is the other thing, right? You know, this doesn't make sense anymore, but I, people are still fearful to, to change that. What is the cost for us if we are not? We won't live an authentic lives. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I think the resentment will start um, yeah. like building up, mm. right? Because we want to we wanna be free. We want to live with joy. We want to live with gratitude, compassion. And all of those things require for us to be able to feel pain and for, mm. and for us to, be, to talk about the things we don't want to talk about. Even what we say, the silence, the secrecy, and the judgment in the whole family, right? Mm-hmm. In the family traditions, in our parents or grandparents, they had their secrets and nobody yeah. knew about them. And then it's funny how um, grandkids are playing the roles for us too. Yeah. Hey, let's talk about this. And, you know, it's repeating, like the repeating patterns. Yes, yes. Yeah, and we live an authentic. Yes, exactly. And, and this is also what I learned as I become a subconscious mind programmer. Our ancestors pass on to us beliefs and yeah. trap emotions so not just beliefs it could be positive it could be less than uh, not uh, beliefs they're not serving us but they're also giving us trap emotions that is driving our subconscious mind a little bit ma- mad sometimes because mm-hmm. it's not something you consciously choose but it's there and still you know running havoc <laughs> in our system and it doesn't really help us to live an authentic life as you said and and i was joking with my friends i think usually when people had inheritance problem it's basically about the physical things that they leave behind they have no clue that there's so much bigger things 
that is being inherited above all the houses and the properties that we were getting from our ancestors. This is what I, I, I'd like to have this emphasize. Is the cost is huge. It's huge. The cost is huge. huge. And it goes from one generation to another also. Yes. I, I read something the other day that says, if not now, when? When? If not us, who? who? Right? <laughs> and I was like, well, yes, if I know this, right? If I'm living or having this experience and I have this information and this really, like it, that voice inside of you that's saying it's time and yeah. it's your turn, like no more victims, like really get empowered and, you know, have this uh, courage conversation or talk about mm. this or break with this uh, belief. Let's do it. There's a reason we're here listening to this podcast or whatever we're learning or remembering, right? Yes. And this is where I'm going to get into parenting. Linking to this realization that we get inherited so many more things than physical stuff, I became quite driven to understand more about parenting. Not, I don't have kids, but I have my nephew. Okay. Mm-hmm. So a background with this is my, my sister and her husband invited me in to play an active role um, supporting them raising their son. Okay. I took this kind of request very seriously because I'm thinking, oh my God, parenting, this is, <laughs> I may add on to these trap emotions for the next generation or I can help to clear something up. Okay. Mm-hmm. I have a question coming in from one of uh, the listeners. Why do we shame our kids so much as parents? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I think we shame kids because we are in shame mm-hmm. and we pass that pain onto them, Right. It's like the only way we can express it. We, we believe we're unworthy. Therefore, we cannot see our kids as worthy. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. happens to me, you know, like even if I'm aware of this information and, and all of these things, I, I've seen the times that I like, oh, you're so good enough when you do the things I like, you know, yeah. or you're not good enough because you're doing this. So that's the importance of really working with ourselves so we can see them as worthy most of the times. I won't mm-hmm. say it will be perfect, right? But like, or really be aware, like, oh, I'm shaming them. Oh, I'm saying this. Like just being aware of those processes will make a big difference. I think that's why we shame them. Like we, we have to just uh, be aware of it. And that the more we work with ourselves, the more we will free them. Right? So if you, because yes. they're, they're complete. That's it. They are complete. This is also, this is also a cathartic understanding that I, that I had when I was interacting with little Leo, my little Mm -hmm. nephew, I was part of his birth journey and I was with him for his first 50 days. And you know, sometimes when you have this kind of moment, when you're like looking at this child thinking, oh my God, you are a full person in a small package. (laughs) (laughs) But you can tell when he likes something or doesn't like something, he's communicating in the way that he could. and, And they are a full, complete person. Then it got me thinking, so what is parenting is all about? Mm. Yeah, that's a what great What is question. actually parenting? <laughs> I think our kids are here. And, and not only our kids. If you don't have kids like your nephew, they're here to, to wake us up as well, mm. right? It's like we are all here to remind us 
who we are, what we're doing here. So our kids, as you say, they are complete and they are helping us to also break with things that don't work anymore, with old patterns, with to tell us, mom, remember to enjoy life, like all of those things. And as I said before, like, yes, I can start working with myself so I can like really see them, but it can also be at the same time to work as a family or with your relatives, you know, like, let's remember not to name call ourselves, you know, like don't Mm -hmm. use name callings or let's remember to honor when we share our emotions, even if they are the hard emotions, right? Like there are Mm -hmm. some of them that we don't want to feel, but that's why they're here, I guess. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have to be conscious about it, right? Like why did we bring kids to this world? But if they're here with us, they're here also as our teachers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like they're inviting us to, to so many things to remember and to and to really bring to consciousness, right? What is your definition of parenting then? Oh boy. I think for me to be a parent is the most challenging and rewarding um, process in life of remembering who am I and honoring the the one I can love the most, you know, like my kids. Mm. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. Then your intention is then to use this specific and special, very special relationship with the children to accelerate your journey to be yourself, to be yes. your authentic self. Yes. Okay. Yes. And so I can free them and, and not um, pass them things that I don't want to, yes. you know, that, I, that are not serving them, right? Like I yes. just wish... I could do it as fast as I can and honoring and appreciating the process and appreciating mm. them the best they can. Yeah. This is yeah. so interesting because, you know, having both my parents passed away, I remember she was so attached to her belongings. Okay. So I, she had never decluttered her house for 44 years. When she was still alive, I asked her, can I start clearing up some stuff? Because I can see that there's some things that can just go to the bin. And she said, no. But the day I die, you can do whatever you want, which is super interesting uh, coming from her because I used to joke, oh, my mom died. She's going to haunt this house so nothing is being moved and changed. (laughs) Bless her. (laughs) Sorry, mom, but I did say that. (laughs) Jokingly and partly not joking. So, but she did give me the permission. And then I started to do, you know, the, the change of the house with my siblings clearing up decluttering for 100 days. Can you believe it? Then 100 days, 44 years of stuff. We change 85% of the things. Okay. So there's only 15% left of hers. So then you sit there, you have this kind of understanding, actually physical things don't even matter because most of the things that she appreciate, we don't use because we have a very different lifestyles than how hers was. So we keep a number of things that we can use. That was the overlap between her lifestyle and ours. So what they were giving us is still or are really life skills and also some options of values. Mm -hmm. Because I can see now some, I really cherish the things that I get and learn from them, but some, they're not working for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this is it. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. when the tangible things and physical things being taken away, what's left? And these mm-hmm. are these things. Yes. 
Amazing, right? And and how we uh, sometimes focus on other things that are not that important. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yes, and as you said, Astuti, the, the love part, I think it's amazing. Um, relating to your story, my dad also passed away, and what I really uh, appreciate, I, I'm so grateful for so many things, was the way he looked at me. Like, mm -hmm. I could see he saw me, right? Yes. And oh, I just remember those things, and I get teary like... <laughs> I, I wish I could do the same thing and I'm going to try every day to see myself and to see my kids and everyone I meet in this life through my eyes, right? Like just be able to really see each other. Mm. As you say, those are the things that stay with us, the love, the, mm. the values, the compassion. The rest of the things are just, <laughs> nothing is permanent, right? Like me, yes. they, we can enjoy them and everything, but they are just part of the that won't stay with us like forever, yes. you know? Yes. So it's amazing what you shared about it. <laughs> Thank you. It's a profound mm -hmm. realization for me. I knew it in my head, but at that point, the two head and heart connects and it changed everything. It changed everything for me. Parenting. Anything else you can share? I think uh, just the willingness to know that as parents, we and as any role we play in life, we always do the best we can. And it's mm -hmm. for me, it's hard to sometimes to believe that. I mean, I know it in my soul, but then in my experience, I'm like, should I do this? I said that, you know, like I feel, then I don't feel guilty. I feel ashamed. Yeah. <laughs> but the permission I give myself to practice compassion and to just go to bed and remind myself that I'm doing the very best I can, even my kids are doing and my husband. And, you know, like we are all doing the very best we can. It is something that that's been changing the way I perceive life mm -hmm. and, and it's changing the way I live. And I hope my kids could see that and honor that in their lives, not to thank me for anything, mm -hmm. you know, like just mm -hmm. realize that, As parents, it's a hard job and we're doing the very best we can, even for them as kids, you know, like we all do. And, and I think that's something like to open our heart for that, right? Mm -hmm. To really know that we are worthy no matter if we have kids or not, or we have done things or not, like we are worthy for that. Yes. Another thing about parenting is that in my case, I sometimes get um, so attached to the role of being a mother, of Believing that yeah. I have to educate them. Yes, yes. That I lose the opportunities to to laugh, to experience joy, to, you know, to have these magical moments that are also part of parenting. Yeah. You know? I'm so happy you say the word role mm -hmm. because this is very important. And I want to ask to, to speak a little bit more about it. When I work with clients and they come to me feeling depleted, okay? Usually, I ask them, what is your role? And what is the key success factor that you're trying to achieve? Mm. And a lot of people, they're assuming roles. It's, so at the end, the depletion comes from a place where they're signing, they think they're signing up for something, but then they realize, oh, actually, I cannot fulfill them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay? So there's yes. a mismatch between their own expectation for themselves and the actual role that is needed. 
And I think this is also often happens with role of parents, right? What is actually the role? Is it something subjective? Is it something universal? What is that? What do you what do you think, Nina? I think we might get caught in the in the role that we we've seen other people play, mm-hmm. you know, in parenting. But the consciousness and just getting curious about, as you said, what is parenting? You know, mm-hmm. why am I in this role? What are the paths or the roles that I need? or that I want to take and the ones that I don't think are mine to take? Like, do I have something that I feel I have to do? Like, I have to educate my kids. Like, maybe I don't, you know? Like, (laughs) of course I don't. They're educating me. They're uh, reminding me so many things. Or there are boundaries and all of those things, right, that that need to be in place, but with everyone, not just for being kids or mom. But I think, yeah, we need to, to really think about what resonates for us in this, mm-hmm. uh, in this role, in this place that we are with the people that we chose and they chose us. Just to summarize, shame is universal, which is touch humans in a very, very similar way, regardless what culture they're from, what religion they have it really impacts people on a very universal way. So the fear that one has is quite common all across Mm -hmm. the board. And this is also the one thing that unites humans. (laughs) Shame, joy, happiness, love, (laughs) guilt. (laughs) All this transcend beyond all these man-made boxes that we have. Mm -hmm. That's right. Just a reminder that we are worthy. I like to test things, you know, and to experiment. Yes. Like try for one day, how does it feel to feel that you are worthy? Like if you believe that, how would you feel? And how would that change the way you live, the way you love, the way you enjoy life, the way you perceive life? Like just knowing that we are worthy, even if we still have unconscious um, behaviors. Yeah. Things. But just knowing that we are all worthy, doesn't, doesn't matter what we've gone through. How would that change the way we live? So on that note, Nena, thank you so much for your valuable thoughts and inputs. And if our listeners would like to get to know you, would you share with us, first of all, what you do? Thank you, Astuti. It was a pleasure. And um, of course, they can. I have uh, some social media pages. I have Instagram, Facebook, and I have other uh, social media ways to connect. Um, Nena Martinez. Yes. And then it's a period. Se trata de nosotros. And what I usually do is help people live more authentic lives. Uh, I use Brene's um, curriculums. I use other uh, workshops and and tools um, mm-hmm. with clients and as of training workshops and, and I help clients with, with that process. Everything about shame, vulnerability, self-compassion. I love, I love those topics. I also have uh, like case consultation or, or individual sessions yeah. uh, via Zoom or Skype or whatever. Yeah. Well, guys, I don't believe this is going to be the last time you're going to hear me and Anna talking. <laughs> <laughs> so we look forward to come back with another topic. So thank you for listening. Thank you for allowing you to follow this sometimes a bit raw topics, discussions. 
And I hope that this discussion has served you well. Thank you and take care and see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye-bye.